Colossians chapter 5. We have been looking at the last few weeks, listening to the Spirit. And then last week we looked at various aspects of, of offenses that we bring to the Spirit, that we offend the Spirit of God when, when we don't depend on Him. We quench the Spirit. When we disobey Him, we grieve the Spirit of God. And, um, and there are times in our life we just outright resist the Spirit of God and um, and because of that, we seek to do the work of God in the arm of the flesh, and that is destined to fail. Now, in your mind, how do you discern that someone is a godly person? It's interesting what people view as a godly person. Some people would just view if a person goes to church regularly, they're a godly person. Some, if they have a great knowledge of the Bible and, and they're familiar with um, many of the, the Bible accounts and, and know about the Bible, um, so they have a great knowledge of the Bible. They can win Bible trivia every holiday whenever they play or whatever. They must be godly. Um, some, if, if they're well-spoken, if they're able to, to be a teacher or a visible leader in spiritual realms, and yet, does that necessarily mean that we are godly? We can do a lot of things and still not have the power of the Spirit at work in our life. And so, really, we wouldn't be godly. So we ask, are they, or we ask ourselves, am I filled with the Spirit? Now, when I mention that phrase, filled with the Spirit... I'm sure in your mind there come many, many different ideas what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And this morning we want to um, try to give some clarity as to what the Scripture says it means to be filled with the Spirit. And indeed, a person that is filled with the Spirit would be a godly person. So in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, you notice verse 17 of Ephesians 5, I'll begin reading there. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So ought husbands to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members one of another, and members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So here he, he gives a, a quite lengthy description about um, a number of things, and we often step into this passage and, and pull out um, what the Bible teaches about husbands and wives uh, we we pull out, we could go on and read in Ephesians 6 about children and so on. But you notice this is all built on, on the aspect, I don't want you to be unwise, but I want you to, to be wise, and I want you to be filled with the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit. You notice one thing in verse 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. First of all, it is a command. It's in the imperative mode. He is saying, I am commanding you. This is not an option. It's not something that, oh, if if I really want to be a a top-notch, crazy Christian, then I need to. No, this is written to every believer. If the Spirit of God is in you, he gives this command to be filled with the Spirit. Well, we ask, okay, what does that mean? Well, in the passage that is, is before us, do not be controlled, we could say, by wine, because alcohol, it takes control of your faculties. And he's using this as a contrast. Don't be controlled by that, but be controlled by the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God be in possession of your heart, of your mind. Let the Spirit of God control you. We've been talking about listening to the Spirit of God, about depending on the power of the Spirit of God, all of that is involved, and, and we hope to bring it full circle today, all of that is involved in being controlled by the Spirit of God. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's what Paul was saying in Galatians. It, it's a matter of control. Who's controlling my thoughts? Who's controlling my attitude? Who's controlling my actions? 
It's, it's control. It's not that we, it, it's not in the sense of filling up a, a vessel, a, a jug, that we need more of the Spirit, a filling of the Spirit. When you received Christ as Savior, you received all of the Spirit of God. What it is, is now the Spirit needs more of us. We need to yield control of our life to Him. And so when He's saying, be filled with the Spirit, it's not, I need more of the Spirit. I need the Spirit. I need to yield to the Spirit's control. I need to listen to Him. I need to depend on Him. I need to yield to His control in my life. And in the context of Ephesians 5.18, literally in the original language, it says, Be ye being filled with the Spirit in a continual process. It's not a one-time thing. I'm filled with the Spirit, now I'm good to go. It's a be ye being filled continually as long as you live Yield to the control of the Spirit of God. It's something that requires continuous action. Never a time when we should not be being filled. So it, it's, it's something that I am yielding. I could be yielding to the Spirit's control now and five minutes later not be. And he, he says it's continually. This is a 24 seven deal in our life and and he says it involves a conscious decision we are not automatically controlled by the spirit of god just because the spirit of god dwells within us it's pretty evident in our life you know your default mechanism you know that By nature, we're prone, the songwriter said, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's our heart. That's our nature. And and it's a conscious thing that I need to depend on the Spirit of God. God, I, I need your Spirit to control me. I yield to you. We are not automatically. It's not just... Uh, shake a magic wand over us, and now I'm filled with the Spirit, and now I can go. It's a continual thing. It's a, it's a conscious decision. We don't have the time, but notice as you read Scripture, he's continually saying, put off the old man and put on the new man. Yield not to the flesh, but yield to the Spirit. He, he's saying, if you yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, He said, you will reap corruption, but he said, rather yield. This is that conscious decision that we're making. So the filling of the Spirit is controlled by the Spirit. He commands us to be controlled by the Spirit, a continuous process, a conscious decision. So we ask, okay, what are evidences? that a person is controlled by the Spirit? What are evidences that a person is controlled by the Spirit? Well, John chapter 16 and verse 13 tells us that the Spirit of God is given to guide us into truth. A person that is filled with the Spirit will be abounding in truth. 
will have an appetite for truth, will seek to, to discern truth, will seek to proclaim truth. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. A person that is truly filled with the Spirit, the Spirit wrote the Bible. And so the Spirit will speak the truth. A person that is filled with the Spirit has a commitment to the truth. They will be abounding in the truth. But notice in Ephesians chapter 5, some other characteristics, evidences of the filling of the Spirit. Notice verse 19. Verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. It isn't a period there. It isn't a new thought. He said, when you are filled with the Spirit, you will speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. A person that is controlled by the Spirit of God will be a person that is rejoicing in song. I didn't say they have a great voice. I didn't say that people are eager to... They will have a song in their heart. They will, they will have a song that only the Spirit of God can produce. When, when the Spirit of God is in control of our hearts, He produces a song in our heart. It may be a song that, that, um, You've heard and the Spirit of God likens the truth to it and He brings it to your mind and, and you are refreshed with it. It may be, it may be a, a truth of God that, that you make your own song in your own heart that never gets published and that's good. It ministers to your own heart. But this is, this is aspect. This is what God said. Be filled with the Spirit, and you will be speaking to one another and to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. But he goes on. He said, be filled with the Spirit, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A person that is filled with the Spirit of God gives thanks. The Spirit of God will draw our attention to the things that we are to be thankful for. You are not controlled by your spirit when your mind keeps saying, I don't like that, and why'd they do that, and that was stupid, and look at this lousy weather. That is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is thankful. And and you might just say, well, I have the gift of constructive criticism. Well, ask the people you give it to how constructive it is, first of all. When the Spirit of God is controlling us, we have a thankful spirit. That is one of the natures of the Spirit of God. And And, you know, this doesn't... Uh, these things that we're going to, the next two are even more, but these things that we're looking at when you're filled with the Spirit, they aren't, wow, what a wonderful thing. 
We don't, by nature, we don't desire to give thanks. By nature, we don't. But the Spirit of God makes us realize the things that, that who God is and what He has done, and we will have a thankful spirit. You, you cannot be a griper and grumbler and murmurer and be walking in the Spirit. It, it doesn't happen. And the reality is, as believers... We, when we are controlled by the Spirit, we will give thanks. Notice he goes on in this passage, verse 21. Be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Submitting to one another, putting my will under the will of someone else. Not in matters of doctrine, not violating doctrine, but you know what? It doesn't matter to me if if we do it this way. I am willing to submit to you for the sake of the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We go around demanding our own will, demanding our own way, and and many times we don't demand it verbally, but in our hearts we demand things and well, I wouldn't do it that way. That's just stupid. You know, we're going over all these things in our minds. The Spirit of God is willing willing to submit to one another. In the home, submitting to one another. I mean, you may think the toilet paper ought to come off the roll on the top, and she may think it needs to come off the bottom. Are you going to fight over that? You have. I know. I've counseled. I've been, live real life. How do you squeeze the toothpaste? In the middle or from the end? They don't turn the lights off. So you get mad and bitter because they don't turn the lights off. They don't hang up things the way I am. Right, because my way is right. It's more effective, more efficient, and it's better. They'd be better off if they did it my way. Are you willing to submit? in these areas that it doesn't matter. The Spirit of God is submitting to one another. And then he says, and I'm not going to take the time, but verses 22 through chapter 6 and verse 1, a person that is filled with the Spirit, there will be love and reverence and obedience in the home. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are the things that when the Spirit of God is in control of our life, He produces. What home does not want that? Nah, we don't. We, we like contention and strife and pride and and dishonesty no but it comes by being controlled by the spirit of god and it produces these things in our home it doesn't matter who's impressed with your bible knowledge is your family impressed that you're controlled by the spirit of god or do they cower when when they see us walking in the flesh see the reality is 
The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. You know, it's always amazing to me. You've heard the definition. An expert is anybody that's 50 miles from home talking about something. Now an expert is anybody that knows enough to make a podcast. They can make a podcast and send it out to whoever. You know what I'm saying? An expert is one that lives the Christian life in his home where it matters most. It doesn't matter what, in in the grand scope of things, it doesn't matter what other people think of us at church. Look, you all look like great Christians right now. I mean, yeah, you do. It matters what we're like in our home on Wednesday or Thursday at work. It matters how we are when we're dealing with people. That's what matters. And a person that is controlled by the Spirit of God will manifest the fruit of the Spirit. So we ask, okay, how in the world do I become filled with the Spirit of God? How to be Spirit-filled? Number one, it involves surrender. I be, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Someone has said and prayed this prayer of surrender. Here, Lord, I give up all my plans and purposes, all my desires and hopes, and I accept your will for my life. Whatever you want, take. Whatever you would have come, send. Wherever you would have me to go, lead. Whatever you would have me to surrender, Reveal it to me, Lord, I come to do thy will. That is surrender. And the Holy Spirit of God is not a conqueror. He does not come into your life and say, all right, everybody down, I'm taking over, I'm taking charge. He only takes charge what we yield to him, what we surrender to him. What we say, I am no longer going to run this. I want you to run it. What you want to come into my life. And do you understand? The things that God wants to come in your life are going to come into it anyway. It's whether you're going to accept it or not. Are you going to fight against it? Or are you going to accept it? It involves surrender. To be filled with the Spirit involves saturating in the Word of God. We quote it again. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he said, what will happen? You will be speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. There's that same passage, Colossians 3, that we read in Ephesians 5. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, not just a little crumb. Let it dwell in you richly. You're not going to sit down Thursday at your Thanksgiving feast and and just take just a a little pinch of potatoes and just one little bite of, of 
turkey and one little little bite of green bean casserole. And no, I, I think I'll pass on the pecan pie. And no, I don't want any ice cream. No, you're, you're going to let it dwell in you richly. The Word of God, we think, well, I got my, my little... If you want to be controlled by the Spirit of God, you must surrender and you must saturate in the Word of God. That means you're memorizing Scripture, you're taking your mind to think on these things, you're, you're hungry for the Word of God, you saturate in the Word of God. Thirdly, you must confess sin. Sin is what hinders the Spirit from controlling us. It's only our obedience to God's commands that allows the Spirit freedom to work in our life. And so we will sin. So we confess it. Thank God if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you keep short accounts with God. And that sin is like turning down the power of God's Spirit in our life. You want the full power of God. You want the power of God at work in your life. You must say, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And then you must constantly yield. Notice this. It's a continuous thing. It's constantly yielding. Romans chapter 6, don't yield your members of your body as an instrument to be used to unrighteousness, but yield your body as an instrument to God to be used for righteousness. Story told by a man that said two or three years ago, this was way back when, Dr. Moody, D.L. Moody, invited him to breakfast at his at his home in Northfield, Illinois. He said, I got to the house at the breakfast hour, and I, I met another very godly man, Dr. Meyer, and he was out beneath a great tree in the yard, and I, I, I said to him, what, what's the matter with me? So many times I seem half empty, and so many times I, I feel... Utterly powerless. He said he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Have you tried to breathe out three times without breathing in once? And the gentleman said, I wondered if he was referring to some new breathing technique or something. So I said, No, I don't think I have. And so he said, Well, try it. He said, I breathed out once, and then I tried to breathe out again, but I couldn't. I had to breathe in. And he said, you must always breathe in before you can breathe out. And your breathing out will be in proportion to your breathing in. And he said, good morning. And he went into Dr. Moody's house. The gentleman said, 
I understood exactly what he was saying. Unless the Spirit of God is breathed in, I cannot breathe out the Spirit of God. And it is a continual process, depending on the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit, longing for the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit, obeying the Spirit. It's constantly yielding. So it comes down, putting all this the last several weeks together, it comes down to this. Number one, listen to the Spirit of God. But it's not enough to listen. Secondly, you must obey. But it's not enough to listen and obey. Okay, God, that's what you want me to do. And if I go do it without depending on the Spirit, I'm doing it in the flesh and I won't get it done. I'll be frustrated listening to the Spirit, obeying the Spirit, depending on the Spirit. Maybe you want to flip two and three around. And then when you see God work through it, you glorify God. The Spirit is here to not glorify Himself. He came to glorify Christ. Do you see how many areas we can go wrong? And this is why we're powerless. We don't listen to Him. Or if we listen to him, we don't obey him. Or if we obey him, we don't depend on his power. I mean, it, we're downstairs in the Sunday school, the parenting class. You may get principles there, but if you do it in the arm of the flesh, you're going to struggle. It's listening obeying, depending on God continually, continually, continually. God, what is it you want me to do? How do you want me to respond here? And learning to listen. How many times in my life, after a situation, the Spirit of God prompts me and said, this is what you should have done. And I go, man, it's because I wasn't listening to begin with. And it grieved the Spirit of God, but he's so patient. He said, now next time this happens, this is what you should do. And over and over again, it comes back that I wasn't listening. Or there's things that God's Spirit prompts me to do, and I don't do it. And later he prompts me again. It's listening, obeying, depending on the Spirit, and then God will be glorified. This, is, this applies to every area of our life. And this is why the church in America is powerless today because we're doing all this stuff without the Spirit of God. We're doing stuff the Spirit never told us to do. And we're trying to obey in the arm of the flesh, in our own wisdom, in our own education, in all of these things. And God says, no. I chose the weak and the foolish and the simple and the base so that they wouldn't glory in their education or in their abilities or in anything else. They would glory in God. This is God's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. But the reality is going to come down in your life. Are you going to start listening to the Spirit, bending your ear to the Spirit, 
through the Word. We've talked about that a couple weeks ago. In your home, are you going to obey the Spirit? Can you imagine if we, can you imagine what would happen if just us here today started really being filled with, controlled by the Spirit of God? Can you imagine what would happen? It'd be, it'd be transformational. Wow, I've never seen anything like this. It's God's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And that's why Paul said, this is a command. You must be filled with the Spirit and continually be being filled with the Spirit. And this is how it will show itself in practical, everyday godliness. That will glorify God. Heavenly Father, I pray that the reality of the control of your spirit would truly show up in our lives and in our families. Lord, I pray if there is one today who has never called upon you for the forgiveness of sin, I pray today that they would call upon you to save their soul. And you said you would give them your spirit as the seal of their salvation, as the one to guide them into truth. And Lord, we ask for every believer here today that we would have a renewed commitment and desire that we would never waver from. To be controlled by your spirit. So we plead your mercies for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes.